We're moving forward in our daily Bible reading, and today we are moving from Romans now to 1 Corinthians. Uh, the church in Corinth, if you want to read up a little bit about it, you can read about the church in Corinth as Paul was traveling there. In Acts chapter 18 and Acts chapter 19, both uh, the first verses in both of those mention the town of Corinth and, and Paul's activity with the Christians in Corinth. Um, this is, uh, again, uh, right up front in the New Testament in the letters because it contains so much doctrine about teachings about who Jesus is and what what he did by what or what was accomplished by what he did coming to this earth. So it follows very well on the heels of the Gospels, which give the historical account of Jesus, then Acts, which gives us the historical account of the early church. Paul's missionary journeys are all recorded in, in Acts. And now we have those letters that came out of those missionary journeys that Paul had, letters or epistles, Latin word for, for letter. And again, very similar to, to Romans here, Paul identifies himself right up front in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, he emphasizes that his apostleship is something that God called him to, God led him to. It wasn't something he took on himself. You remember Paul's background of formerly being one who persecuted the church, and it was God who turned him around. Acts 9 records that for us uh, down the road to Emmaus, and then Paul recounts that story twice again in Acts about what happened to him on the road to Damascus. So, but obviously Paul had to defend his ministry quite often because I'm sure there were critics there who said, uh, no, Paul really hasn't converted. Um, he's just pretending to do that in order to, uh, to work his way into the church and be able to uh, try to, to snuff out Christianity. So Paul was always defending his ministry. Paul tells us where he's writing to in verse two is to the church of God that is in Corinth. And remember, always in Scripture, church doesn't refer to a building. Church is people. It's those who are called. Uh, we call the building that we worship in a church building because we meet there. That's what makes it the church. Uh, and you see an example of it right here. Um, they are sanctified in Christ Jesus, Paul says, called to be saints. So that word called is just a, a play on word with the word church, because the word church means those who are called together by God. God brought them together. And what do we do? We call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both uh, our Lord and, and the Lord of others. And then Paul's uh, standard blessing and greeting, again, very similar to what I use at the beginning of sermon, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul starts out this letter, as he usually does, in, in giving thanks to God for the the Christian church there. He does that right away in, in verse 4, and uh, uh, talking a little bit about, about uh, God's work in bringing us together, God's faithfulness, um, the fellowship we have with one another that comes through uh, Jesus Christ. Then, uh, right away in verse 10, now, uh, Paul gets right to the heart of some problems and concerns that he has in the church in Corinth. So, uh, it's not like Paul got on the news and watched the news and heard about these things happening. It had to come word of mouth um, uh, to him. Uh, but Paul was always very concerned while he's on his missionary journeys for churches that he had planted and started. Many of them he went back to numerous times. Uh, that's true of the, the church in Corinth. We have two letters that we found, at least. Many scholars think there are up to four letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, we only have two of them uh, in, that we found and, and we think are credible and, and uh, were actually uh, letters that Paul wrote to them. And uh, what we know about the church there is that there were a lot of divisions in that church. So this is a real church. It's so easy for any group to start to become divisive. We follow this group. We, uh, we are part of that group. Now, we're, we're individuals, and we each have unique gifts, but those unique gifts are like a body. 
my body has many different parts, but that all has to work together. There's, there's one central brain, there's one central heart, um, and, but all those parts of the body have to work together. They're all unique. An eye can't be an ear, can't be a foot, hand can't be an elbow. Um, we need every single one of them, but they all need to work together. So it's not about me, it's about us working uh, together. But as, as can happen, when Satan works his way in, he gets division. Look at what Satan did to Adam and Eve and God in, in the Garden of, of Eden. And look at the division that happens there, and it continues in their family as Cain kills Abel, and, and it just goes down the line there. So this church uh, would gather behind a certain leaders, whether it was Paul or Apollos or Christ, and claim that they were better than another. And Paul says, wait a minute, wait a minute. We are all Christians. We have all been baptized into Christ. We preach about Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes us one. And then in verse 18 and on to the end of the chapter, he talks about the cross and how the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. In other words, um, to those who are to those who are perishing, they look at the cross and say, how is someone going to save you by dying on a cross? You save from an earthly perspective uh, by going into battle, winning that battle, and coming out alive. Well, Jesus wins the battle for us. Uh, but it's a battle against sin and death and Satan. The wage of sin, we learned in Romans, is death. The only way he can win that battle for us is he has to die on our behalf. He's lifted up, as the prophets have said, he's lifted up on a tree, and, and that tree is the tree of the, the cross, the cross made out of wood. And Paul, Paul conquers death by first dying our death, paying the price for our sin, fulfilling the righteousness of God, God keeps his word. He said, when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. So death is the punishment. God doesn't just ignore our sins or pretend that he doesn't look at them. He forgives them because they've been paid for. It's like you heard me say before, we use that word forgiveness quite often. And, and we think, well, that just means, you know, we just, we just um, dismiss the debt. No, someone pays for it. Uh, it there's always a price to be paid. Uh, and Jesus paid that price for us on the cross. But it seems foolishness that we would worship someone who died on a cross. But we know he didn't stay dead. And that's the bone of contention. He rose from the dead. There is resurrection. Paul's going to have a whole chapter on that in 1 Corinthians 15 about that. But that's to come later. Paul addresses the two major sources of contention there in Corinth. Uh, both the Jews, who insist that Jesus is not the Messiah. And the cross is a stumbling block to them. They're looking for a king, a ruler like David to come in and conquer. So uh, uh, they're, they're not happy with him. And the Greeks say, this is foolishness. That according to their wisdom, think of all the uh, Greek mythology. And, and according to their wisdom, you don't conquer by dying on a cross. But yet um, the world didn't know God through uh, the, the world's wisdom. So God in his wisdom, his wisdom by sending his only son to die on our behalf, and to rise from the dead, he um, he wins salvation for us. He says, Jews demand signs. Remember the Jews with Jesus, they're constantly saying to Jesus, Jesus, show us a sign that you're really one. And Jesus said, the sign I'll show you is the sign of Jonah. Uh, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, I'm going to go into the ground for three days, but I'm going to come out alive like Jonah did too. The Greeks seek wisdom. It's got to be something we can figure out that we can understand, you know, a couple of Sundays ago, we, we dealt with the, uh, the biblical teaching of the Trinity. We didn't try to explain it. We only described what Scripture says. We don't have the wisdom in our little minds to understand that. But yet, in the wisdom of God, 
he wins salvation for every single person who would believe in uh, in him. So some some great teachings already there in, in First Corinthians chapter one, and uh, especially about the wisdom of God, which, as he says in verse thirty, makes us right with God. Righteousness sanctifies us, uh, changes the way we live, the Christian living that now we do, and redeems us. It buys us back. So we boast only in Christ. God bless you as you read. We're into another book of the Bible. God bless.